It gives me great pleasure on this episode of the John Henry Weston Show to welcome Abby Johnson. I know she's known to all of you, great hero in the pro-life movement, and uh, someone whose book we read unplanned, whose movie we watched, and everything else. Uh, You're going to want to stay tuned. Let's begin as we always do at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Abby Johnson, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to the John Henry Weston Show. Thanks so much for having me on. We're going to talk about something probably uh, that you haven't talked much on camera about before. Um, You were gracious enough to be part of our conference on the reception of our Lord uh, on kneeling and on the tongue. And uh, many people have asked questions about that. Why would pro-life leaders go down that road? So we're going to speak about that. You also um, have recently gone to a Latin Mass and had some really neat experiences there. So let's start off, if we would, if you would, just telling us a little bit about how you came to the Catholic Church in the first place, a story that perhaps some don't even know about. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was raised Southern Baptist and, um, you know, I have to say though, I think I always had, there was a, there was sort of a draw to Catholicism and just saw always, I think an interest there. My mom says, I don't remember this, but my mom says that when I was a little girl, I would, um, she would catch me watching EWTN and I would watch, uh, mother Angelica. And she said that I would put a towel around my head and clothespin it. And I would sit on the floor and watch Mother Angelica on the WTN. Um, and so I just sort of always had like a fascination with the Catholic Church. Um, I think I always felt a really strong um, pull to uh, our Blessed Mother. Uh, I couldn't really ever explain it. Um, but just growing up, I just had a lot of questions about her. You know, we studied, uh, all these different women, you know, in the Bible and strong women, you know, Deborah, Ruth, Esther, Sarah, and there was always an absence of Mary. We only talked about her one time a year. And, you know, that was during the Christmas, Christmas season. And, um, I remember asking, uh, my pastor one time, you know, gosh, we talked about all of these study these women in the Bible. And, you know, here we have undoubtedly, you know, the uh, most important woman ever uh, to walk the face of the earth, Mary. And and in our churches, we we do not talk about her. And I sort of got the, you know, the, you know, um, and that puzzled me. I didn't understand why. And I just kept feeling this sense that there was something more that I needed to know. And, um, but I just never got that answer. I had a lot of questions growing up about my faith and I never got answers that were satisfactory. And so, um, you know, then I sort of moved on with life. And, and um, when I worked at Planned Parenthood, we started going to the Episcopal church. And um, one of the things I loved about the Episcopal faith is the liturgy. 
and they're a liturgical church. And that was something that was different to me. Um, but there also was a slight emphasis on Marian tradition also in the Episcopal church. And so I was sort of drawn to that as well. So I could, I could sort of have, uh, you know, Marian light, right? It's like Catholic light, uh, but I could be pro-choice. So I thought, oh, this is perfect. That was, you know, that fit what the things that I wanted at that time. When I left Planned Parenthood and became publicly pro-life, I was, uh, we were actually, we called in and uh, we were, you know, sat down uh, by our, our Episcopal priests and we were told that we were no longer welcome in the Episcopal Church of America. And we were told that we had to leave. And that was fine. I and mean, we knew we were going to have to leave anyway. We didn't want to be a part of a, a pro-choice uh, congregation and the National Episcopalian Church. I mean, their, their national doctrine is, is uh, pro-abortion. So we knew we wanted to leave. We sort of wanted to fire them. You know, <laughs> they fired us. Um, and so uh, we ended up leaving. And all of our new friends happened to be Catholic. And so they were, you know, bugging us every Sunday, you know, come to mass, come to mass, come to mass. And so we finally said, okay, fine, we'll go, you know. So we went and went to mass and we sat there and we didn't really know what it was. We know now, but at the time we were sitting there in mass and we just, we walked out really just sort of in silence. We sat in the car and Doug and I just looked at each other and we said, I don't know what that was, but something felt right about that. We just felt this peace and we wanted to know more. And of course, as soon as we told our friends that we found ourselves in an RCIA class and I found out that all of these questions that I had had over, you know, that had plagued me during my childhood and growing up and really trying to learn about my faith, all these questions that I had grown up with, they were being answered one after one. And, um, and I just knew that there was truth there, that that was the truth that I had been seeking for all of these years. And so Doug and I entered the church together, um, Easter vigil of 2012. And, um, and honestly, you know, it, it has been a, a great journey. Um, it, it's been, uh, has it been perfect, you know, um, and I would say, you know, as of the past couple years, um, it's been tough. It's, it's been a, um, a, a difficult um, road for, for Doug and I. I have, um, there have been times that I have been troubled by things I'm seeing in the church. Um, you know, troubled enough to make me say, what are we, what are we doing? Um, you know, I, there are times that I've said, you know, Lord, if, you know, if it wasn't for the Eucharist, would I still be here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What were um, those, what were those things? If you could, um, you know, describe some of them to give us a sense of what, what it is you're meaning. There's been a lot of frustrations, I think, with sort of the liberalism inside of the church. Um, different appointments by the Pope. Um, even things that the Pope has said that I haven't understood. Um, you know, I, things that have been accepted by priests. Um, of course, you know, so much of these scandals um, inside of the church, 
you know, um, there's just been, I think sort of the, the, I think there's the lack of reverence toward the Eucharist. Um, I think the, the pro LGBT agenda that has sort of seeped into the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously not in the, in the, um, the church itself, but it, especially among her members and her leadership sometimes. No, and yeah, priests, I think in the leadership um, really has been yeah. very frustrating to me. And then sort of this, uh, this, I, I don't know, like almost acceptance um, within the leadership and a failure to denounce it and and to say, no, this is not right. And I think part of it is sort of this, I've said sort of this come as you are mentality. Um, that's really a, a sort of a Protestant way of thinking that has seeped into um, the mass and which brings about sort of a lack of reverence for the Eucharist. Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the things I really uh, love about you and, and your faith is I remember, um, you know, as you were converting and uh, you came into the church, um, I was at one of these conferences. It was a, it was a March for Life conference, and you were having another child, yet another child, and you basically described it as, yeah, we're Catholic. And it was just hilarious. You, you, when you are convinced of something, you come to it with such a passion and with a full giving. Every, everything's sort of like black and white, and you're going to just do the right thing. And that was so inspiring for me, and it was awesome to hear you. Um, and I think that, you know, you can see that now, at least I see that now in your explanation. I mean, you're wholly given to the truth of the church. And when you see that violated by her ministers, even by bishops and, and God forbid, the Pope, um, that doesn't sit with your soul, right? And you're willing to say, nope, that's not right. And it does. It leads us to a lot of confusion, especially in the church today, where we're you know, what, what's, what in the world is going on? So you were saying that, you know, if it weren't for the Eucharist, where would I be? Lord, what's going on? Um, you recently tweeted about having attended a Latin mass. What brought you there and what was your reaction to it? So I've recently been, there's there's this little section in St. Faustina's diary and I'm going to mess it up, but it just says, you know, like, oh, my Lord, you know, if it wasn't for the Eucharist, I don't know how I could keep going. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but essentially it says something like that, you know, and I was just like, oh, Jesus. Yes. I mean, that's, that's how it feels. Like, how could I continue on this journey? You know, if it wasn't for the Eucharist and, and there were times I remember, I mean, I remember there was a time when I, I, um, I said to my husband, I said, I don't know if I want to be Catholic anymore. I was so frustrated with, with the things that I was seeing in the church. And I remember saying to my husband, I don't know if, I don't know if I want to be Catholic anymore. And I remember him saying to me, um, but where, where would we go? And that really led me to a time of prayer. And, um, and even going, even really sitting uh, in adoration, which to be perfectly honest, 
is tough for me because my mind is always going. So actually just sitting and, and like going to adoration, that's really a struggle for me. Um, but I actually went to adoration and just sitting and, and just being still. And, and over the past few months, I really felt like God was telling me he was leading me somewhere different, but it wasn't outside of the church. But I didn't know what he meant. I didn't know what that was. And to be quite frank with you, I always thought that people who went to Latin mass were crazy. Um, I was like, oh, no. Like traditional Catholics, no. Like, mm -mm. Um, they are like weirdo Catholics and not, not going to do that. Um, but I kept, it just kept coming to mind. Honestly, like God kept just bringing it to mind and he kept bringing people to mind, um, and, and putting people in front of me, like things to read and, and, and different posts and such. And I was like, okay, God, I get it. You know? And so, um, so one Sunday or one Saturday evening, um, I looked at Doug and I said, you're going to think this is crazy, but I actually want to go to lab mass tomorrow. And he looked at me and he said, I do think that's crazy, but let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he said, I'm all for it. So, wow. um, because we had both just been feeling frustrated, you know, and had really been talking about it, but just not knowing where God was really calling us, you know? Yeah. And uh, so we went uh, to Latin mass for the first time. And it was actually, um, we just had a ordination uh, that Saturday before. So it was uh, first mass for mm. one of our newly ordained priests. And um, we went and, oh my gosh, it was, <clears throat> I, mean, I didn't know what the heck was going on, but it was so beautiful. And I remember just sitting there and just really taking it all in. And I posted on Twitter, you know, that I was going to do this. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually talked to Taylor Marshall a little bit before we went and he said, just, and everybody's advice was just, just don't try to follow along. Just sit there and just take it in. And that's what I did. And that's what we all did. And it was just, it was such a beautiful experience. And first of all, the music was like out of this world. Um, that in itself was just such a prayer. Um, but I was struck by several things right off. One, I was struck by, um, just how masculine the service felt. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if really that would make sense when I sort of put it out there, but people were like, no, that totally makes sense. I mean, just, um, everything was led by priests. Yeah. It wasn't a laity led service. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it, it was, you know, the chanting, every, I, I became emotional hmm. um, um, during the chanting because it was just such a beautiful, just masculine uh, sound. And it, it was just, and I just thought, you know, it was just fatherly mm-hmm. um, sounding and just was so reverent and, and beautiful and um, and I I love that. I it just makes you feel, um, I don't know, cared for. Hmm. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know a better way to put it. It, it yeah. just I don't know. Um, and uh, the other thing that I noticed right off the bat. Okay, so during the consecration in the Novus Ordo Mass, you know, we're very a part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're like saying prayers with the priests and we're hearing everything they're doing. And at first when I sat there, I was like, gosh, well, I'm just sitting here. I'm not doing anything. And at first I was like a little offended, you know, like, well, why am I not a part of this? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, why do I need to be a part? I don't have anything to do with it. Right. That's between that's between priests and God. Like, I don't God doesn't need me to say these prayers. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And it and it just became so apparent, like, that's right. God doesn't need me to be a part of the consecration. God needs me to be here praying, to be prayerful, you know, to be bringing intentions to him, yeah. like during the mass, to be praying for the priest. Yeah. To be, and it just, and all of a sudden it felt, at first I was offended. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I felt so free. Yeah. And I thought, no, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to be actively involved in the consecration, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm not the priest. Yeah. Like, I'm supposed to be here just prayerful. That's what the laity are supposed to be doing in this moment. Yeah, my, and, my, my own... Anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's just our priest at, at LifeSite, uh, Father uh, Anthony Pilari, he's a, he's a great priest, and he celebrates the the traditional mass and he opens it particularly to people who've never experienced it before and he says don't you know don't worry about as as you were told too you know you don't have to follow along and, and whatever right right away but he said basically what would you do if you were at your crucifixion because that's where you are each mass is your being present at the crucifixion and what would you do if you were present at the crucifixion and i think for a lot of people that that helps to uh tell us what we're supposed to be doing doing if you will at mass we're there watching the priest in persona christi offer himself offer christ to the eternal father that the same sacrifice of calvary at the mass it's a beautiful thing and it, it's exactly like that you're, you're not in the way of active participation as you, as you said that's not part of it, but you are there. You're there as a witness of the crucifixion. You're able to be where the apostles ran away from. You're able to be at the foot mm-hmm. of the cross. So, um, yeah, beautiful. Yes, anyway. it's been really neat. Like I, I mean, I, you know, we've only been a few times, and and but I have to say, like, I for the first time in in a while, like I'm actually. I feel very reinvigorated about my faith. Mm. Like I'm excited to go to math. Mm-hmm. I haven't felt that way in a long time. Wow. Um, 
it doesn't feel like a chore anymore. And surprisingly, as long as Latin mass is, uh, my children are actually really well behaved. <laughs> I think it's exciting for them. Like it's different, you know, um, and it, I don't know, for some reason they're like, they're looking around, you know, what's going on. And, and, uh, so it's interesting, you know, and they're more engaged, I think. Yeah. Um, there, there's something different. Yeah, there. there's a whole set of and like P's are, and Q's that, that are in the atmosphere at a Latin Mass that just aren't there. It's not a communal thing. The priest is facing away. It's it's a very different atmosphere yeah. for kids too. It is different. The atmosphere yeah. is just different. I'm yeah. not like sitting there like sweating, like if my kid like makes a noise, you know, like and everybody's looking around like, I know that was the Johnsons, you know, because the, you know the average number of kids is like twenty-seven in a Latin. So, I mean, like, you know, there, there's kids everywhere, and it's just a beautiful. It really does feel like a community, mm -hmm. and um, it is just a very different experience. Mm -hmm. And um, I know it's not like the silver bullet answer to all the church's problems, right? Mm -hmm. I know that, but. Um, there is something different mm -hmm. there. And man, the homilies that we have heard have just been on fire. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, every time that we've gone and I'm just, I'm so excited to go mm -hmm. to mass every wow. Sunday. I mean, like I'm just looking forward to it every Sunday and that feels so good, mm -hmm. you know, once again, and just to not feel the frustration that yeah. I had been feeling um, for the past, you know, couple of years and, um, and to just, to, just to feel that renewal of yeah. my faith. And, and we're very, I mean, we don't know what's going on. You know, we don't know what is happening, but we're learning and we're excited to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, you so know, it's really beautiful and it's yeah. beautiful to be a student mm -hmm. again, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's also a, a, a unanimity. I mean, a, 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 in in the Latin mass community, you don't find the same sort of disparity that you find elsewhere in the church. Um, there, There's uh, basically no one there who's going to be like, yeah, you're kind of radical on the abortion issue. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm, oh, I'm personally against abortion. But, you know, uh, you, for the most part, actually don't find that. And also, and this is what I'd like you to speak on next, the issue of the reception of Holy Communion on kneeling and on the tongue in the Novus Ordo, in, in, in uh, regular Mass, that can be all over the place. You can have priests who refuse. Um, you can have people sort of looking at you, particularly now in time of coronavirus, you know, it's it's done either outside the Mass, if at all, if it's allowed at all. And uh, if it's done, you know, you, it's, you're always a second-class citizen, citizen, sort of, so to speak, um, even though it's not intentional and nobody, you know, but... In, in the Latin Mass, everybody receives um, Holy Communion kneeling on the tongue. Kneeling if they can, obviously, if they're prevented from physically, that's that's fine. But, um, you know, there's that beautiful uh, oneness in, in so many respects that, that really is uh, a thing of the Latin Mass that's kind of different. So you did this uh, short statement for the conference on communion on the tongue and kneeling um, about not receiving Holy Communion in the hand. What... Um, what sort of inspired you that way? And why do you receive our Lord that way? So that's been something actually, even before, I mean, when we first became Catholic and, you know, 
um, you know, we were being taught about the Eucharist and we were being taught about the real presence and, and they were saying, you know, in our CIA, they, they would tell us, you know, well, you can receive, you know, directly on the tongue or in the hand. And I remember thinking to myself, why, why would anybody receive the Lord on their hand? Why would anybody do that? I mean, part of, part of, part of the Eucharist could be on your hand. You could wipe it away on your, you know, if you truly believe that is the real presence of the Lord, why would you ever have that in your hand? Why would you ever take the chance that, that part of the Eucharist could be left behind on your hand to be discarded or, you know, thrown away or wiped away or, um, and so I remember in that moment saying, oh, I will never receive on the hand. I mean, that's that, no, absolutely not. Hmm. Um, and, but then I just, then I started realizing just the lack of reverence in general um, among Catholics. Uh, I think that just that realization of the real presence in the Eucharist. I think that that is, I mean, what, there was a poll that came out. There's so many Catholics don't even, they just believe it's a wafer. Mm-hmm. They don't even believe in the real presence anymore. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's because of that come as you are attitude. I think it's because so many have received on their hand and that reverence has, has been taken away. Um, it's because we have, we have, you know, lost, that we're kneeling when we're receiving the Eucharist. We just, you know, walk up, take them in our hand. Like it's just nothing. Like it's just some cracker, you know, like it's a animal cracker, you know, just walk away um, casually. I mean, gosh, if it's, if this is the real presence of our Lord, I mean, of course we should be, bowing, kneeling with respect. I mean, gosh, we are so unworthy. That's what we say, right? That we are so unworthy to, to be receiving this. I mean, we have to humble ourselves. We have to humble our hearts to even be receiving, to even be in the same, to be in the presence of our Lord. But he's giving us this gift. And so what, we're just going to take it in our dirty hands and put it in our, I mean, like, no, absolutely not. Like it goes from our priest, you know, holy hands directly into our mouth as a gift. We're not taking it, we're receiving it. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was something that, that was made very clear to me when I was in RCIA. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just that casual nature that has crept into the church community. Mm-hmm. You know, Abby, we'll we'll end off with this, but you know, some people who are going to watch this are going to say, "What what is what is Abby Johnson doing? She's she's got such credibility. You know, she's been uh, here, there, and everywhere for life. There's a movie made about her. She's written a book. Her pro life is her thing. Why why are you doing this now? This this is like threatening your credibility. Why why go down this road? Oh gosh, John Henry, that's it. They say it about me all the time. I- <laughs> Oh, this is, this is my faith. This is, um, this isn't to disparage anyone, but this is, 
this is like my lifeblood. This is who I am. This is part of what makes me, me. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, gosh, Jesus is my life. And this is important. And, you know, we as Catholics, I mean, we need to be having these discussions, not to offend one another, but to really hear one another in truth and, and to really think about what we're saying. You know, I mean, and I can understand that if, if someone had been, you know, you've just been someone who's been taking the Eucharist in your hand and just, you know, you know, receiving that way. And, and maybe you're listening to me and going, what does she know? She's a convert. What, you know, what have you been Catholic five minutes? Like, okay, I get it. Like, you know, what do I know? What do I know? Maybe not a lot, but man, I chose this faith. This, I'm on fire for my faith. I chose this as an adult, willingly. You know, I wasn't born into this. And, you know, this is something that I am very passionate about. I am not apathetic about my faith. And I, I don't know, I'm not a theologian about the Catholic faith. Um, but I know that I love this church and I love the Lord and I love the Eucharist and I know what it's like to long for the Eucharist because I waited, <laughs> you know, mm. I went to mass and I waited and I watched everyone just casually walk up and take the Eucharist while I longed to receive the Eucharist. Mm. And so I know what that feels like. And so I, I don't ever want to take that for granted. And so once I was finally able to receive, I mean, I, that reverence was so profound for me. And so I may not know much about the church and I'm certainly no theologian, but um, I am very passionate about Jesus Christ and I'm very passionate about the Catholic church and I get it wrong a lot of times. And I admit that. Um, But I, I think that sometimes we, you know, even if we disagree with someone, sometimes we have to listen to them and say, is what they're saying making sense? And that's what I would ask people to say is, you know, is what I'm saying making sense? Amen. Abby Johnson, it is so good to be with you, as always, here on the John Henry Weston Show. May God bless you and thank you. Thank you so much. Hello, this is John Henry Weston. I'd like to invite you to subscribe to the John Henry Weston Show YouTube channel if you haven't already done so. There you will find all the past episodes and much more. Thanks again for watching, and may God bless you.